0: You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer
1: the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
2: Welcome in, everybody, to uh, Weekend Kickoff with Andrew Spade. I am joined tonight by Brad Ward uh, in place of Cody Sook. Uh, Cody is, uh, I think, otherwise occupied with work, which is hard to believe, uh, but Brad, how are you tonight?
1: Be with you here. Oh, there you. Was muted there for a minute. Oh. Uh, sorry about that. Glad to be with you, sir. Uh, some interesting stuff here uh, coming out today uh, with the Browns that I'm sure we will get to. But uh, glad to be on the show with you again.
2: It's great to have you. Thank you for uh, making time for it. And thank you to all of you out there for making time for us Um, I, I said to someone today that, uh, you know, it's, it's the last game on Sunday and they're out of the playoffs and it's like, okay, well, what, you know, what is previewing the show or what is previewing the game, doing the show really matter, you know? And it's like, it, it, you, it gives you a, I mean, listen, I'm not saying that what we do is anywhere close to what NFL players do, but it gives you a little bit of an appreciation for what these guys are going through to play a game as I mean, as we know from the, the the tragic events in Buffalo on Monday night, a, a game that is so physical and so fundamentally dangerous to go out there when the you know there's a game on Sunday and, and I like I know that there's some excitement to keep the Steelers out of the playoffs, but it doesn't really matter to the Browns whether they win or lose. Sure. And obviously they get they get paid a ton of money. There's that component, but it's got to be tough. It's got to be really tough this time of year to get yourself excited, ramped up for a game when you know it doesn't really matter much
1: yeah you know i think they they're saying the right things the most of them right and um you know some hyperbole from miles garrett about uh you know this i think he said like you know you live for this type of a game where you can take your rival out and it's all hyperbole but mm-hmm. like it's um it's interesting you know i think that it does add some interest to this game certainly that the steelers have a chance mm-hmm. uh you know really you're just kicking yourself even more i don't know if you've heard today at all but the the rumblings about potentially adding an eighth playoff team to make up for this i did see uh, that for this uh Bengals uh we should start with that that you know Demar hamlin uh great we news should. today absolutely yes um and yes. uh that is uh, unbelievable news actually and what a remarkable job everybody did there Mm -hmm. uh on the field and really really good news to hear that he is uh you know brain function looks pretty good and he is uh communicating somewhat and things like that so all of that stuff is really really positive um and a kind of a, an exhale from the, you know, Absolutely. collectively from everybody that, that covers the league and stuff. So that Absolutely. is all good stuff. Uh, a yeah. tense couple days there. Um, but yeah, now, now you can kind of talk about the ramifications of that game not being played, Andrew. And right. there, there's a scenario where they let an eighth playoff team in in the AFC and NFC, mm-hmm. which is crazy. And, Boy, the Browns just needed to win one more game this year, you know?
2: Yeah, it's never great when the league is proposing adding another playoff team and you go and check and, oh, we actually still are eliminated. The Browns no, still can't. still out. <laughs> yeah.
1: Still don't have a chance. Not great.
2: The chair I'm sitting on just broke. That's what just happened to me.
1: Oh, my gosh, Andrew. Yep. Are you yep. okay? First yeah, I'm fine. Of all. I'm fine. I'm great. Is there anyone on site that can help you right now? No, I'm good, man.
2: Okay. It's an old All chair, right. and I just put it out of its misery is what happened. Okay. I
1: just want to make sure. <laughs> That'll go
2: on the season-ending blo- blooper reel for sure. That's yeah, that,
1: that Are you in danger? Blink. <laughs> Blink. <laughs> that's, what, oh my God. that's what Super Surge just said. Yep. Blink twice if you are
2: in danger. That's right. All yeah, right. no, everything is okay. good here. Everything is good. Okay. Um. Yeah, no, I. You know. I think that. Yeah, we we can we can certainly talk about the missed opportunities for the Browns, but I think everybody kind of knows the score with that, right? Yeah, um, man. You know, I yeah. I I think that the to me the the more, you know, the the more relevant concern, you know, in in in, in at this point with the Browns going forward is is it's it, you know, the the conversation with the Browns is about what comes next, right? Yeah. To your point about um <laughs> people getting their jokes off in chat. I really appreciate Yeah. It's it. um, funny.
1: Good stuff. Uh,
2: yeah. The, the, to your point about DeMar Hamlin and what happened Monday night, you know, I think, I think you're right that, that now that it seems, that seems as if from what they said today, you know, that there's some concrete evidence that things are getting better for him. Um, yeah. and, and that, you know, that the, you know, some of the really terrifying outcomes that were on the table. And I think we were all thinking about, um, over the past few days have been, it sounds like, you know, I mean, obviously he's still in critical condition. So, you know, nothing's guaranteed in life. And we know that every day, you know, uh, but but um, that that sort of encouraging news, you know, to your point, Brad, it does allow us to kind of feel a little bit more like, you know, we can talk about week 18 as if it's, you know, something that's going to happen, something that's right around the corner, um, you know, uh, and, and focus on what that Bengals-Bills game, as you said, not getting played, means for the other teams in the AFC playoffs what it means for the NFL generally as they try and reconcile two teams playing one less game than the other 30 teams in the league. Uh, and, and you know, just like uh, how the best way to navigate a, a, a totally unprecedented situation, certainly. So, um, you know, I, I I my position on it has been kind of all week that I think one of the best parts about what happened Monday night is... Um, uh, you know obviously the, there was a there was a, a critical and incredibly timely effort to save that man's life in that moment once he was on his way to the hospital and the immediate emergency had been resolved then to me that the 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 second most interesting thing that happened the the, the most interesting is not the right word the most compelling the, the next most compelling thing that happened it's hard to talk about this stuff man it is was that the coaches and the players came together and did what was right. The, the league didn't come in and say, this isn't going to be played. The referee didn't take them off the hook and say, this isn't going to be played. The, the coaches had that conversation that they showed on ESPN, where they were clearly talking about what they wanted to do. And you could see the emotion on the players and the players knew both sides, both, you know, both, both teams knew the right thing was to, was to stop. Right. And, and that. I think, you know, I, I you you don't ever want to make too much out of one moment, but I do think that it's a reminder that this is a player's game, right? The the owners, you know, obviously they 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 own the stadiums and they own the the teams and the you know, the all the gear, but when you tune in on Sunday, you're tuning in to watch Miles Garrett and Nick Chubb, not Jimmy Haslam. So, right? you know, it, those moments where the players realize the power that they have, I think are always good for the game because it helps the game be its best self. Yeah. And the, the, the players making that decision in that moment, then, you know, to me going forward, the question was always, what do the players want for this weekend? What do the players want? What are the, what do the Bengals and Bills players think should happen with this game? And, you know, of course, Joe Burrow came out, what, two days ago now and said, we'll do whatever the Bills players want. And so that's another great example of like the player players are leading here. And I think that's so welcome that the, you know, the league can do what it wants, but the players have kind of made it clear throughout this situation that they're going to do the right thing without kind of waiting to be told to do the right thing.
1: Yeah. It was very refreshing that, you know, like they went to the standard protocol, five minutes on each side and we're going to start the game and like, wait a minute here. Like this is not, this is not okay and uh good job by both coaches uh to come together and then you know the communication they had you know in the tunnel as well getting on the phone with the league and saying like listen we're not going to go out and play and all that stuff so uh yeah as it stands right now it's a no contest you know they're kind of asking in chat there what do they call it a tie Uh, unfortunately like i think they have an issue a little bit with the percentages being like there's some there's some fairness questions there if you just take a you know a tie in percentages because there's actually a lot of seating on the line here with these two games and the kansas city chiefs so i think you play this weekend see what happens and then go from there is kind of where it stands right now Mm -hmm. um but i think they have a couple plans in place some of them are goofy um yeah so uh it's uh yeah, a tie, does, as Ian says, a tie would actually hurt hurt both teams' chances. So, Right. Um, so right now, as it stands, a no contest. But, you know, well-handled by all, well-handled by the players, mm-hmm. um, you know, and then just a remarkable, you know, it would be remiss if we didn't mention the remarkable outpouring of uh, support Absolutely. for DeMar or by just people in general mm-hmm. in public and, mm-hmm. you know— uh, Of course, there's asshats out there that are, you know, making this about something else, but there always is going to be that. So, uh, you know, the people that are, you know, that donated and all that stuff like that to his uh, toy drive and stuff is pretty remarkable stuff. So a lot of people rallying around him. But uh, I'm sure that this is, uh, you know, I'm glad that he's doing better. So, Mm -hmm. you know, we can kind of talk about, you know, football. So, but it was quite yeah see. it's
2: it's it's an immense relief because i i think you know one of the things that i've felt this whole time is you 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 sort of intellectually recognize that there's 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 a danger uh, you know uh, hopefully a very slim danger but a danger that somebody could lose their life playing the game of football yeah. and and i i think there's also i mean you know maybe this is a this is maybe too deep for a for a <laughs> streaming uh you know f- football chat show but i think you know, one of the fears for me is that always like, if, if you are watching the game where that happens, you almost, it's going to be a lot harder. I mean, I, you know, uh, this was already very difficult. And I think if, 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 if the worst had happened, it would be really hard to want to keep being a fan of a sport. You yeah, know, I, I, mean, I don't think that there's another way to say it. And, uh, so it is, it's, <laughs> In, in a way it's a relief just because you, you can continue to kind of be excited about the sport that, you know, is, is wonderful in so many ways, but in other ways, you know, very dangerous. And, and, you know, I, th- I think it's also worth saying, this is not the only sport for which that's the case, right. Um, you know, there's, there's been people that have died playing other sports and, and it's a, you know, sports, especially contact sports are inherently dangerous and, um, that, that you know, the I where I can draw the line is to say that reckoning with that fact overall is beyond the remit of this show. So, uh, I think I sum it up by saying, uh, I'm so thankful for yes. uh, Damar Hamlin's health, and 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 so that for everyone that helped him, you know, in that moment and throughout the last few days, uh, both people that know him and people that don't, so many people have stepped forward, like you said, not only in, in the medical profession that were able to actually save his life, but also just regular people donating to his charity. And, um, it's, it's always nice in these moments to see the best come out of people.
1: Yeah. Um, very well said, Andrew, as people in the chat are saying, but very well said. And, you know, you think about football, you don't think about, and I'll just sum it up on this: You really don't think about like, Oh, you know, somebody you you think about yeah there could be catastrophic injury and that's in right. the realm of of outcomes but you really never think about the outcome that someone is not going to make it off that field mm-hmm. uh and this is just kind of a wake-up call to some of that i think so yeah. okay. certainly something to keep in mind and, and hard probably hard for players to go out this weekend and play even still i would definitely think so definitely no um, I, I
2: i i think it will be you know that'll certainly be one of the things to watch this weekend because i think yeah certainly for the two teams affected, but really for everybody, I think the way that it affects every individual player is going to be different. And so, you know, it's, it's hard to know what that's going to look like, but, um, you know, we, we, as I said, you know, kind of at the top of the show, the Browns have a game against the Steelers. Uh, they have a chance to, um, knock the Steelers out of the playoffs, which is always a good thing. Um, They have a chance to finish with a divisional record of four and two, which would be the first time I didn't look it up, but the first time in a while, uh, for sure. Um, and, and they would sweep the Steelers for the season, which is certainly the first time that that's happened in quite some time. Uh, they also have a chance to avoid a double digit losing season. You know, they're, they're sitting at seven and nine right now. So a loss would drop them to seven and 10, which, you know, double digit losses is not something you want to, you want to put on your resume. If you're Kevin Stefanski or really any of the players, agreed uh and um yeah so i you know that uh, you know there's there's plenty of reasons to go out and win this game really the only reason to lose is that you get the fourth place schedule uh and that you know maybe would help a little bit at the margins uh yeah. on your schedule next year but you know you're not going to improve your draft positioning that much because there's a bunch of teams bunched up all around them and um you know certainly none of that compares to the momentum that you get from beating a divisional rival in their stadium, knocking them out of the playoffs and going into the season, finishing the season five and two, I think is the, is another big number there. Right. So, yeah. um, lots of, lots of reasons to say that the Browns should be motivated, but obviously, you know, this time of year, there's always just the question. Right. And I think, you know, as you alluded to earlier, there was some comments from miles Garrett that make it sound like the guys have a good sense of wanting to go yeah. out and be motivated. Then there was also some comments from Jadevian Clowney, which give you the opposite Ugh. impression. <laughs> Ugh.
1: <laughs> we yeah we got to talk about what uh, he said and yep. what you think it was pointed to because I was yep. just reading that before we came on here um so you know um, as far as this game goes uh you know I think a lot everybody there's a lot of actual personal accolades here on the line too I think there's a lot of career ba- a couple career bests that are attainable uh Chub and uh Njoku is within range and i'm actually writing about that tonight here because he is actually the one guy i think andrew that has struggled the most Mm -hmm. with watson of all of his weapons like yeah you know i think he has like a max of three receptions with him on the field here right something like that uh they have not really clicked fully yet so you would like to see that maybe definitely um you want you want them to win because you hate the Steelers guts right mm-hmm. so of course obviously uh but uh you know um interesting stuff said you know couple uh interesting pressers today the Joe Woods presser was interesting yeah. mm-hmm. uh a little bit of a defeatist tone from him I thought yeah definitely um, that's a great way to describe it uh and then Mike Preefer is well spoke today <laughs> Not uh defeatist. <laughs> yeah, not, de- never defeat us. Mike Preferred will never be deterred. Right. Uh, and then, of course, uh, you know, Clowney's comments, which I think very much point the finger at, I think you could say Joe Woods, but also the organization as a whole, uh, yeah. which yep. I think we probably should breach at some point as far as the topic. But Definitely. Um, what was your question? i'm just rambling on no i don't
2: think i had one i think i think i was just kind of musing about you know the level of motivation for this game on sunday
1: yeah uh i think that the majority of the players will be you know you only get 17 of these right Right. some of them i'm sure have their cancun bags packed right Right. uh one foot out the door as there's always those guys but i think the majority of them will give it especially because it's the steelers and and you can keep them out um, mm-hmm. and they and they they've been playing better so um you know i see all these narratives about joe woods is you know i like jake trotter posted uh woods's stats since week 7 i want to hear what you you know what you think about that cuz to me that means nothing like i i described it as fool that's fool's gold mhm mhm Whatever.
2: Did we lose your bread?
0: Selling a little or a lot?
2: You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options
1: that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And I'm back. Hey. Did did you lose me? Did you lose me? A little bit, yeah. Yeah, so I don't know what's happening. We're having a little bit of uh, an issue here, but uh, okay. I'll just keep on talking. But uh, you know, as far as, um, as as far as Woods go, what was I saying? I totally lost my train of thought there.
2: Well, you were to- you were t- you were talking about whether or not Woods has earned another go round. Yeah, pay- yeah,
1: I I call it fool's gold, right? Yeah, like those stats sure. since week seven. Like mm-hmm. who have we played? We've played Andy right. Dalton. We've played. The Tyler Huntley led Ravens. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, his successes aren't successes against good quarterbacks. I don't really care what his stats are at this point. The damage is done. The damage is done. Right. Um. And, and like, I, I just don't care. There's those are f- those stats mean nothing to me. Uh, right. And so, uh, I I don't know. I just I don't know what. I guess that's people that that are Joe Wood supporters, and I don't know how there is that many of them left out there at this point uh but the ones that are are hanging on to those numbers and i just don't see it like i don't i don't you know i said it the other night right like you fool me once you're not gonna fool me again we Mm -hmm. went through this once you you bought yourself an extra year with a late rally last year it's Mm -hmm. not like this game was this season was lost in the first seven games. I could give a right. shit what the last seven games said. Like honestly, so yeah. Uh, like let's yeah. be real about it. I think he knows. I think he knows the writings on the wall it certainly by his tone like it. today, yeah. right? It certainly, his tone like it. was not yeah. not fantastic. Yeah, I think he knows it's coming. Yeah,
2: so. which you know, which is interesting because you know it's it's a weird space to be in where he knows that it's coming, but doesn't. Hasn't been fought, fi- you know. That's a, that's a weird sort of, you know. So obviously, yeah. there's. It's weird that there would be rumors swirling like that that he would be hearing, but at the same time, you know, I mean, and it might just be as simple as that he asked for an assurance and wasn't given one, because I could see that being something that, uh, you know, that makes sense, right? That he that he's gone to the gone to Andrew Barry or Kevin Stefanski and said, hey, you know, am I going to be back next year? And they kind of looked at him and you know shrugged their shoulders, and maybe that's. Yeah, what
1: do you say that? What do you say? To that? Well, yeah,
2: I, and I'm just speculating to be clear, but yeah. but. Uh, what I would say, Brad, to, to your question about, you know, the improvement over the past few games is I think it makes the case that he should be fired because what that tells me is that they have the talent. You know, one of the big questions about the Browns this year was were they put in a position to fail because the front office didn't put enough talent on defense for them to be successful or is the scheme bad? Well, if the defense plays like a top, uh, you know, t- 12 unit over the last few games and plays like a bottom five unit for the first half of the year. And the scheme hasn't changed. That tells me that that, that the coaching is to blame, right? Because the consistency is the problem. And, you know, the sample size in the NFL is too small for you to be able to work your way into shape over the course of half of a season. Right now, you know, the, the Patriots famously uh, have, have for years um, worked themselves into shape over the first uh, you know, few games, the first two, three, four games. But once you get to week three, week four, you should start to be coming together. It cannot wait until the second half of the year. And that's where the Browns have been two straight years on defense. The defense shows up after the bye week, mid-season, late season. And it's not soon enough. As, as Brad said, the, the season's already lost at that point. So to me, if the defense had continued to be league- history bad over the course of 17 games, it would almost be easier to say this is Andrew Barry's fault because you never saw it. But all of a sudden Grant Delpit's playing like a pro bowler. All of a sudden the, the run defense is not a sieve. That tells me that the root of the problem is the scheme because they're yeah. finally getting it. And the job of a coach in the NFL is to have your players ready to play anywhere, anytime. And if the best that Joe Woods can do is to have his players ready to play by week eight,
1: he shouldn't be an NFL <laughs>
2: defensive coordinator. It's really as simple as that.
1: That's a great point. It's a great point. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I mean, all year long, lack of adjustments, like, they, they just haven't – this – listen, even if the scheme was okay and everything, like, they need a new voice, right? Like, just the the tone and the and – the, narratives coming from the players out of that locker room about the defense as a whole this year mm-hmm. from Delpit and Miles throughout, who changed his tone late in the season, but I think probably because he knew Joe was on his way out, maybe. Yep. Uh, but either way, like, the stuff you hear from these guys and now Clowney, they need a new voice, right? Like, they need a new voice in that yep. locker room. Yeah. They need a new direction. Um, so... I don't know if you, I, I had, you know, I updated my DC candidate, uh, yeah. article today. Yep. I added some people to it, uh, that I think are actually some interesting guys, uh, you know, a guy named Sean Desai from, mm-hmm. uh, who's actually a, um. Uh, an Ivy league guy guy's yep. a doctorate at I so that's interesting right and mm-hmm. he's a he's a rising name in the defensive cordon or defensive uh, coach pool out in Seattle um I like him a lot. And there's some other guys on there that I added, so go check that out. But uh, for defensive coordinator options, I think I'm up to like ten in my top tier now. So Mm -hmm. we'll just keep adding names. But there's a lot of guys out there that can do this job. Yeah. And um, you know, when you hear Joe Woods talk about the scheme and stuff, and he talks about how they have to hold stuff back and they can't, you know, we can't do this, we can't add this because we're still fixing this. It's just all conjecture to me, like, excuses. stop, it's excuses. yeah, it's excuses. Yep. Like, you know, you need to find a way to take yep. this very fast defense and let them play fast. Now they're playing yep. fast at the end of the year. I think a lot of that is like Delpit figuring it out on his own a little bit. Right. Absolutely. Um, so yep. I can't really give him much credit for what they've accomplished at the end of this year.
2: Yeah, Brad, I, I, uh, Brian in the comments reminded me of this. And, and, uh, I don't think that you were on the show at which I debuted this theory. This is mid season. My theory for Joe Woods essentially is that he is, he's, you know, like you, everybody's got a friend who's bad at giving directions. <laughs> Joe, Joe Woods is like a friend who's giving ba- is bad at giving directions. And so when you go to their house the first time, you miss it completely, right? Like you, you're not even yeah. in the right neighborhood, not even on the right street. And then the second time, you know, you, you kind of start to, and it's to your point about Grant Delpit, you, you have to find your way to your friend's house because yeah. your friend is so bad at giving directions. Yeah, and so the reason... Him exactly the reason joe woods is is better or the joe woods's defense the browns defense is better now than it was at the beginning of the year is that all of these guys have figured it out for themselves
1: yeah they you figured know? out their way there and they exactly. stopped, you know they stopped exactly. asking or they asked somebody else right and in this in this situation as you take your it's a great example but in this now it's time to ask somebody else it's time to somebody else to give the directions exactly. to where right. we're supposed to right. go Right, yeah. and and, uh, and
2: the next person, you know, and and one of the things that I really would like to see, and this this speaks to, you know, a question up up thread here. I want to just just go and and it's Rick Adkins in in the YouTube chat wants to know, what are some of the names, you know, to to for a four three, um, because Garrett probably can't play in a three four, and I you know I think we can have that conversation about the four three three four front stuff, but I, the the interesting question to me there is, who is the defensive coordinator that's going to get the absolute most out of Miles Garrett because the Browns have one of the premier pass rushing talents in the league and too often it doesn't feel like it
1: yeah and then you hear the clowny stuff today like right there which you know it is he's basically saying like all, all they care about is what are they just trying to get this guy in the hall of fame or yeah. are they worried about winning games like that's right. literally one of his quotes today um Yep, or something. I'm paraphrasing, but it's something. To yeah, that let, let, so,
2: let, so let's 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 talk about that because I th- I think this is all part of the same conversation as yeah. what they do at defensive end next year. Because it sounds like Jadevian Clowney. So this was not part of. To be clear, this was not part of the press availability. It, it it's a it's a Mary Kay Cabot article that was just published uh, within the past hour, really. Um, it was published at six twenty seven, uh, and it's basically Jadevian Clowney expressing uh, strong frustration. He says, 95% sure I won't be back, but there's still that 5%. You never know what can happen. So that's basically saying if they sho- if they shovel him two boatloads of cash, he would, he would consider it, but he's gone, folks. Uh, I just feel like I need to be around somebody that believes in me and my ability. It can't just be me believing in myself. I believe in myself more than anybody. Uh, he says, there's supposed to be a lot of changes around here next year, so they might not be back and I might. So that sounds, that's the part that sounds like he's talking specifically about Joe Woods, either Joe Woods or Kevin Stefanski.
1: Right. Somebody like he's saying, you know, I might be back if they change some things up. Like, and he's even alluding to, there's supposed to be a lot of changes around here. So uh, if, you know, he knows what's going on, I think it's pretty safe to say that Joe's going to lose his job, but go ahead. Continue. There's a lot more here. Yeah.
2: So then he says, uh, "Y'all trying to get somebody into the Hall of Fame when all that matters is winning. Everybody got here for a reason, and we can all make plays. I know I am. Which I'm not sure about the tense there, but I think basically, yeah, he's he's saying that he's there to win. I don't that think that one with me. I don't even think Garrett notices. He says I'm uh, about being so he's complaining about being switched sides yep. so that Garrett gets the, the favorable matchup against uh, the worst offensive lineman." I'm not trying to say it's him. I try to get along with everybody I play with. Me and him don't have a problem. It's not his fault. It's just BS, and I don't have time for it. He said the Browns have got their own guys, and I ain't one of them, so it's time for me to get my exit slip. So that's that's, uh, scorched earth. It's it's as as scorched earth as it gets for a player who is still, uh, I mean, maybe at this point, going to suit up for the Browns on Sunday.
1: Yeah. (laughs) um and just i mean he goes on just real quickly yeah go ahead um you know he says that it it started really with the ravens game is where his frustrations kind of uh reached its height um here because they switched sides with with garrett right and Mm -hmm. uh we practiced all week and we get in the game and they want me to move he said i'm not doing that stuff i'm old i've done my job right um he opted to play only third downs that game because of the switch. So right. I did not realize that. Um, I don't have time for that. I've made my money. I'm doing this because I love the game. But keep doing things like that and making me not love the game. Yeah. I mean, this stuff is... Okay like the one that bothers me the most, right? And the one Ooh, that gives one me- there's one more, the...
2: Brad. I just found- I'm, I'm, Yeah, like, go ahead. It's, it's all presented really hard to- It it's, is. It, it you is. know, there's quotes in the, in the midst of big chunks of text, but here's the one more that jumps out. Let's say it, let's be honest. It seems to me they don't want me to outplay nobody, which I think really speaks to his feeling that it's not, this isn't only about Miles Garrett. This is also about like Alex Wright getting more run, maybe Isaiah Thomas, right? This is about- you know but but I do think a lot of it is about Garrett and I think that's a really interesting it's a really interesting place to be because uh to to, to be in a position where you know your best player on defense uh, you know is a guy that uh you know is maybe rubbing other people I mean he says it's not about him but it's hard to read that and think it's not about Garrett I guess is what I'm trying to say
1: I, he, says, he goes on and says, I played with J.J. Watt. I was 20 years old at the time, 21. And it was all right for him to be deciding where I lined up and stuff. He said he had already been a two-time defensive player of the year. It was cool. I made three Pro Bowls while I was there. <laughs> I mean, okay. Like, all right. A lot of this is selfish, right? A hundred percent, yeah. A little bit. The yeah. one that bothers me the most out of all of this is where he alludes to the fact that they don't care about winning as much, right? Right. Y'all trying to get somebody into the Hall of Fame when all that matters is winning. Right. Everybody got here for a reason, and we can all make plays. I know I am. That one stands out to me, Andrew, um, because it calls into question a little bit where they're... as an organization, yeah, uh, do does their loyalty does their loyalty lie to win at all costs, no matter who that means putting on the field, right? Like, right. or do they want to win their way, right? Like, do they want to win with Miles Garrett getting eighteen sacks, or right. and uh, are only our draft picks playing, right? right. Like, right. which is sometimes the criticism that they take. Yeah. Yeah. So that makes me think twice about like okay. Cuz it should be win at all costs, right? It should be win at no matter who if whether I took him in the 3rd round and I know this isn't real realistic in the NFL sometimes, let's be honest, but whether I took you in the 3rd round with an Andrew Berry draft pick 2 years ago or whether you're a UDFA from, you know, San Fernando Valley state girls, uh, college of the blind. It doesn't right. matter. You, if you outplay the other player, you, and you give me a better chance to win, you should be on the field. But sometimes I don't think the Browns operate like that, Andrew.
2: Yeah, I think that's a fair question, Brad. And I think that, you know, he definitely says somewhere in that piece that he doesn't have a problem with Andrew Barry and he thinks Andrew Barry believes in him. So we can, we can eliminate that as the person that he's mad at. Right.
1: Interesting. Interesting.
2: So, 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 so now we're down to either Joe Woods or Kevin Stefanski, as far as I can tell, unless he's Sounds got like big a little a both
1: Kinsley. maybe like, yeah, a that, and that's kind
2: of, kinda, and so here's my, my question is Clowney's this upset before the end of the year and decides to go public. And, and let's just remember two weeks ago, miles Garrett didn't play the first series of the game because he was being disciplined by the head sure. coach. Sure. So if Garrett's not happy, and, and is, you know, which is, I, that's, that's assuming something, right? Because part, it could just be the logistics of what happened, but between, between flipping a Porsche and getting suspended for the first series of a game, he's not exactly like locked in. Right. And then yeah. you got Clowney over here. My question is it, no, it seems like what we've succeeded in making is in making nobody happy.
1: Yeah. Listen, I, I'll push back a little bit Andrew on the miles Garrett thing. Like, Sure. Certainly, he has interests outside of football more than a lot of guys, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think that's necessarily a reason. I don't know to go to criticize, not criticize him, but like I, I, I'm, 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 okay, I'm cool with Miles. Like it's all right. Like he made some mistakes, but he shows up every week. He takes on the double teams, the triple teams. He doesn't. Comp- he has spoke out a little bit this year more, but it was directed more at Joe Woods than anything when he did, uh, which I don't really have an issue with because I have issues with Joe Woods. I don't know, like so I don't really have an issue with Miles, and I think that he comes to play every week, so I don't really, I guess I I, I don't have an issue with Miles, and I I well, don't think that it's I don't it, think he's necessarily unhappy. No,
2: I, I think I, I, it's not that I have an issue with Miles; it's that I have an issue with. Both defensive ends for the Browns, and and both of them being very talented players, yeah, doing things that would indicate to you that they're maybe a little bit unsatisfied with how things are being done. And and listen, a lot of this is just the fallout from having a defensive coordinator who is talking about his job in the past tense already in week 17, right? Like, I mean, yeah, part a lot of this gets solved if the next person that comes in. And so this is this kind of comes full circle to what I started talking about that led us into the clowny discussion the number one criteria that I am interested in evaluating for the next defensive coordinator of the Cleveland Browns is what is your plan to get the absolute most out of Miles Garrett, right? Because you've probably got, I mean, he's in the league six years now. Well, how many more Miles Garrett dominant years like we've seen do we have left as the Browns? Yep. Three, four. Yeah. So, so uh, squeezing every last drop out of who he is as a player over the next few years has to be, their defensive mantra, and it hasn't been really since he's been here. It's been Greg Williams, and it's been uh, Steve Wilkes, and it's been Joe Woods, and none of those people has has focused solely on unleashing Miles Garrett. And I think, you know, obviously it takes 11 guys on defense to have a successful defense, but when you look at the way that Aaron Donald is utilized, when you look at the way that T.J. Watt is utilized, they – Those players uh, are put in positions to maximize their disruptiveness, and that too often has not been the case with Miles Garrett.
1: Yeah, uh, I agree. Uh, I agree. Uh, Listen, I think this can all be solved, like you said, with a change in voice and a change in scheme. Mm -hmm. And and somebody that knows a little bit better what they're doing here uh, or has a – like – they need an all-in coach, right? Like they, they need to make a hire of somebody that can take ownership over this defense, give it direction and, 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 have like Joe Woods, like his scheme drives me nuts. He's like, here we are. This is us. This is who we are. I've been over this over and over. Right. And this is who we are we, we, we are week in, week out. Like, there are so many smart defensive minds of people doing different things, exotic things to accentuate players like miles Garrett, make it harder to double team miles Garrett, make it harder to, you know, chip him and things like that. There's, there's stuff that can be done. They just, he just has never branched outside of this little box that he exists in as Mm -hmm. far as what he's going to run on defense. Right. So I think that's where they need to go. And I think they will get there. Um, You know, let's not let me say this about clowny this is always who clowny it was yes yes this is always who he was i will give him credit he plays hard every week um he has always been kind of under the like, second fiddle to garrett right like he never got mentioned a whole lot on the browns like in the primetime games you would never hear a lot about Clowney and this and that right but he was always kind of doing his job um and you know because he plays the run better than he gets after the you know he's just kind of a guy that does his job well and it's nice to have him on your team they will miss him believe me if yep. he doesn't come back they will miss what he does, mm-hmm. like uh, for them. But this is always who he's been. He's got a little bit of a selfish side. He will speak out a little bit out of turn when he's fed up. Like as someone said in the chat, doing this the week before the last game yes. or a couple days before the last game is a little bit agreed uncouth. Yes. Uh, yep. yep. If for lack of a better word. Yeah. No, I um, think that's
2: a great word, Brad. That's, yeah, a, that's, so... a, that's a million dollar word. Yeah. And, and to M- <laughs> M-'s comments point, there's nothing like this coming out of Cincinnati or Baltimore or Pittsburgh. So sure. you know, it, it, sure. it, it also, I, I think to your point, you know, but
1: they're all going to the playoffs too. So
2: no, that's a good point. That's a good point. And, and I think we we've, you know, the the view of Clowney league wide is that he's a little bit of a mercenary and I will just say, I have no problem with that. Right. Like,
1: right. Yeah. The,
2: the, 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 the responsibility of these men is to get as much money as they can while they're in the league, in my opinion. And so, I, I'm sure that Jadevian is unhappy that he hasn't gotten enough sacks this year that his next contract might be a, impacted. And if some of that is because of the side switching, I, you know, it's not an irrational complaint to make. It's just, you know, my issue with it is really that, you know, the timing to the, to the point, you know, that Chad is making about it being before a week 18 game and, and the fact that it, it's, it's a complaint that at this point doesn't really have a solution, but I do think, you know, that, 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 it gives some indication of the level of, you know, there has not been since last year's Baker Mayfield injury, there has not been a flat line moment for the Cleveland Browns. Yeah. There there has been almost constant, uh, discord within the locker room and frustration about one side of the ball or another, not holding up its end of the bargain and it hasn't always been public, but Mm -hmm. from, from all the way back then, through the all of last season, through OBJ leaving, through Baker Mayfield in that Pittsburgh game, you know, and then leaving the team before the, the final game of the year, and and then the, you know, the, the, uh, the, this season with obviously the Deshaun Watson situation and the defense underperforming, Miles Garrett getting himself in a car accident. There has not been a steady, uh, you know, again, to MC Sawman's point, there has not been a Cleveland or a Cincinnati, Baltimore, or Pittsburgh type vibe from the Browns for two years now. And I'm not going to sit here and say that Kevin Stefanski deserves to be fired over that, but he has to, he has to, in my opinion, receive some criticism because one of the jobs of the head coach is, is keeping as much of that stuff under the hat as possible. I mean, the, the, the classic all-time example is Antonio Brown with the Steelers and then Antonio Brown everywhere else. Right. When Antonio Brown was with the Steelers, you never knew he was one of the craziest players in the NFL and and then as soon as he left, it all came out week after week, month after month until he's taken his clothes off of the sidelines. So yeah. like part of the NFL head coaching job is keeping a lid on this stuff. And
1: which I, which I think, I mean, listen, for the most part this year, where, where has the mess been, right? As, as they're saying, where has the mess been this year? It's been on the defense side of the ball. You've sure. had pointing fingers in this, that, and the other. Yes, I, I think a lot of people want to say, hey Stefanski's the head coach so he is partially to blame for that as well. I'll Mm -hmm. listen to that but listen he was brought in here to call plays run an offense Mm -hmm. and be able to keep continuity because he is the the guy and you put him in the head coaching role and you don't have to worry about him getting poached every year and his leadership of men yes but I think this defense almost needs its own kind of separate head coach. Yes, they all fall under the team, but like, I think a lot of, a lot of this I think you can put on. I, I am willing to put it on Woods and give yep. Stefanski another chance.
2: I, I I'm not. I, I, again, I'm not sitting here saying that Kevin Stefanski should be fired from this. Right for this. But he, but, I,
1: but you're saying he deserves some of the blame. And I I think and, I think I you. and
2: I think it's 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 less about blaming him for the specific actions of players when players say things or do things that you don't want. It's more about failing to instill a culture culture that prioritizes the well-being of the team over the the individual so that when the temptation comes up to do what you know, and like you said, clowny's always clowny. But Grant Delpit has done this too. Miles Garrett has done this at points this year. There's been more than one player that's been sort of publicly critical of the team. and and that is a, that's an issue of culture. It's an issue of the team not understanding that that not, that never helps the team, right? It yeah. might help you feel better, but it never helps the team to air this stuff out in public. And so sure. I, I agree with you, one hundred percent. Stefanski's back next year. A change in defense coordinator is probably going to help him. But at the same time, the the other side of that bargain is the 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 heat is gonna be on for him from week one next year
1: yeah the there definitely needs I mean and he is a culture guy kind of right like he talks a lot I mean he's aware of it, right so right, he exactly. should certainly be aware of of what has gone like this has been a rough year for him let's be real like this has not been a good year for kevin stefanski now i am a believer in kevin so i want to see him back uh but uh, but it has not been a good year for him admittedly um i saw mentioned in there andrew somebody asked about the d coordinators do you want me to run through this list real quick and see if any jump out to you
2: yeah let's let's talk about them because i think it's you know it's i mean obviously after joe wood's comments it sounds like you know, starting as soon as Monday, we're going to be having a defensive coordinator search uh, to cover here in Cleveland. So we might as well, well, let's, let's uh, give our, our viewers a, a first chance at it.
1: All right. Yeah. So this is the list here kind of, uh, of what I've put together. Now this has been updated twice. So some names have, come gone for in Zimmer's case he was in the first edition pulled him off because it looked like he was taking the Colorado job which has since been changed and he's not going to take that job so he's back on the list so okay uh all right so here we go I have my favorite guy first his name is a I- I- hero Evero he's the defensive coordinator with the Denver Broncos uh they're probably going to try to hang on to him Andrew mm-hmm. in some f- uh you know way but uh, there's a lot of rumors about McVeigh and all that stuff that's going on in Denver. He is by far the most qualified and, I think, the best candidate for the job, uh, maybe. I out agree. There I Iran. agree. Okay. Uh, and and that, that regime— Yeah, let, and let me say something about
2: Everett real quick because I think yes. I, I, you know he, he, it's not a name that people know well, right? No. Because uh, he's, he's a young guy. Uh, I believe he's, he's, he, he hails from the U.K., if I'm not mistaken. So, you know, he's he's maybe not, you know, the what people think of as a typical defensive coordinator, uh, both in his youth and in his diverse background, I guess I would say. Yeah. Um but he, he is incredibly bright and he has uh, led a very successful defense in Denver this year, through a very, very difficult circumstance, uh, with what has happened with their not only their their offense but their head coach. Right? I mean, Nathaniel Hackett was a Freddie Kitchens level disaster for Denver, and the defense was still good all year. And they traded Bradley Chubb uh, at the trade deadline. So um, he's he's the the bet on Evero is that he would probably have have this defense playing at a top ten level this year yeah. and potentially be a head coach next year. <laughs>
1: Yeah. Uh the, he, yeah, if he's coming he's only coming for a year or two right. because he's going to get probably head coaching interviews this year. Right. Uh I don't know if he'll get that job. Right. It's, it's, it it's might be one, one year to too soon. I yep, yeah. I think so too. He's 41. Uh and you know people are going to ask about what schemes he runs. He runs them all. Like so he can yep. run 4334. He's very much the um a guy that believes in which I do very – which is kind of why I like him the best, is he's very much about let me see what players I have and I'm going to run the defense that best fits my players, which is, I think, ideal, right? Um, He spent time under Monty Kiffin, Vic Fangio, Don Capers, Wade Phillips, Raheem Morris, in his 14 seasons in the NFL. So scheme – he is very scheme uh, diverse. Right. Um, My second guy is Mike Zimmer because of the connections to Kevin Stefanski. Now, Mike uh, spent the last year with Jackson State. Um, I think, you know, he lost his son in the last year. He's gone through some things. He was rumored to be taking the job uh, at uh, Colorado with uh, him he's specifically ian saying that uh ever came out and said he wants to be head coach Mm -hmm. yeah i mean he can want to be head coach all he wants that doesn't mean he's gonna get (laughs) the position Uh, i'd like to be too, just
2: for the record if we're all saying
1: um so but zimmer uh has had a long successful career right he's been a head coach uh he got fired from the vikings a couple years ago i like what he does he is very uh he's very much about getting after the quarterback. He is diverse in that way. I like Zimmer. Um, and I think he would be a good hire in this situation. Thoughts on Zimmer? Uh,
2: I I think my concern is between the, the personal life stuff and, you know, his longtime job as a head coach in the NFL. My concern is that, you know, the, the, the sort of zest for it might not be there, you know, and, it's it, it, that's something we can't know, Brad. Right. I mean, that's the that's the ultimate the, the question that that needs answered is one that he could only would only probably answer privately to Kevin himself. Right. And so. Yep. Um, and
1: but they have that's, a personal relationship that goes back yeah, a ways.
2: Right. And so so, yeah. so 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 the flip side of that is if he gets an interview, if he if they bring him in, then, you know, they they probably uh, have had that question answered to their satisfaction. Um, yeah. One one thing that I think is interesting is that you know he he had sort of a senior assistant position with Jackson State last year. I mm-hmm. wonder if he would be open to something like that.
1: Yeah, for next sure, year. consultant where, where, type, yeah, or yeah, uh, associate he, head coach or something. Right,
2: he's not putting in you know ninety hours a week on a game plan, but but you know because they've got I think the guy's name is Kevin Rogers is on the offensive side. He's sort of a senior offensive assistant. Mm-hmm. And he was on one of the building, the Browns episodes. And they, you know, they basically talked about him as being a sort of mentor for the other coaches. Mm-hmm. And, you know, especially if you went with somebody young, like an Evero, having somebody who's been there and done that in the building that Kevin, Ajiro Giro Evero, uh, even whoever the offensive coordinator is next year, all of those guys could bounce ideas off of him. That seems like a, a win in my mind.
1: Yeah. Uh, I agree. That's an actually, I really like that wrinkle uh, real quickly, just kind of on his scheme stuff. Uh, he's run a three-four. He's run a four-three. He's done both. Uh, he is very much a proponent of uh, you know multi-safety, uh, yep. you know single-high split safety stuff. He is very much about stopping the run and creating third and longs, and then getting nasty. He's very uh, exotic with his blitzes and stuff like that. So I like that about him. Even if
2: you could get him in the building for a half dozen third-down blitzes, that would be worth yep.
1: it. Yep, absolutely, hundred <laughs> percent. Uh, my next guy is Jim Schwartz we've talked about him before senior defensive assistant Tennessee Titans now both these last two guys have been head coaches in the NFL which I think is a little bit of a feather in their cap if you're going to treat the defense like a separate side of the ball right uh you know not a separate side of the ball but like kind of like how they are now they very much seem like separate things so I think if you have a head coach just a thought anyways uh, what do you, do you like Schwartz?
2: I do. I do. I think that you, you mentioned it when we talked about this previously, the, the uh, article that was written for the ringer about what the Tennessee Titans defense, uh, has done this year. It's, Absolutely it amazing. feels a little bit, uh, dicey Less now considering
1: now. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Since the Titans have gone on this extended losing streak, but they've had injury issues that would make almost any team fold up shop for the year. So I, I still think the job that, that he did in co- in conjunction with Mike Rabel uh, and and kind of the role that is described for him in in that article makes a ton of sense, and and I think he would be a great fit here um, uh, culturally. I think he's a, he's he's certainly open to the the sort of you know uh, data side of things, which would be a good fit with this front office. Um, and I think scheme wise, you know, it's probably the closest thing to what Woods runs now, uh, hopefully with some added variety and versatility. So, but no, I'm 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 definitely. Hi, I, in my mind, I'm higher on Schwartz than I would be on Zimmer.
1: Yeah, so just Fumble's comment, and and I totally agree with you, Fumble, uh, in, in the chat about Newsom, Emerson, the corners that we have, right? And, like, really, I don't think we're used properly necessarily all the time either because they very much are good outside man corners, right? Like, for the most part, they profile as that. So I think that um, – I think that – any DC you bring in is going to do more of that bump and run yep. or, uh, up in your face stuff than Joe Woods does. he, he just seems allergic to that a good deal.
2: Yep. Absolutely.
1: Uh, okay. Eric Washington is a very much sought after guy. As far mm-hmm. as defensive coaches go, mm-hmm. he is from the bills. He is the assistant, uh, defensive or pardon me, a senior defensive assistant and defensive line coach. Um, He's been kind of all over the place, uh, you know, followed McDermott around a little. Now, uh, you know, Leslie Frazier is the uh, the connection here is Leslie Frazier, who also has a relationship with Stefanski. Mm -hmm. uh, I know they are good friends, uh, is the D.C. there. Right. And Mm -hmm. uh, Frazier, you know, giving him the not of approval to Stefanski could very much put Washington in the driver's seat. As far as this job goes. Yes.
2: Yeah. I, and I think, you know, when you hear that name and we've already talked about Jim Schwartz and a Giro Evero to me that I would be thrilled with any of those three options. Yes. So my main takeaway is the Browns have a lot of good options, which is a good feeling, right? Because yes. I, th- I think there have been other years, including the year that Stefanski was hired, that it didn't feel like there were a ton of great defensive coordinator options and I think that might be part of the reason that Joe woods ended up here is that you know the the main his main qualification is that the 49ers defense he was a part of had just beat up on the Vikings offense in the playoffs yep. and so it was fresh in Kevin's mind and I think that it really might have been as far as it went uh, yeah, so seriously um yeah I think uh, I, I think having those sorts of options because Washington for sure is ready to be a DC he is. Schwartz has done it before and has also been a head coach and Evero has done it before, not to mention Mike Zimmer. That level of experience is, uh, it, you know, for that to be your top four that you're choosing from. And and listen, I think uh, one of the other, this is this is derailing the conversation a little bit, but I think one of the other big questions here is, I'm just curious to see what the names are on their, their interview list, right? Because yep. that will also kind of tell you where their head's at in terms of what they want this defense to look like. And frankly, if they can get, I want them to be able to get one of these top names. I don't want them to have to settle. And and that speaks to how excited people would be to come to Cleveland.
1: Yeah, no, this is very much like this coaching surge, like this off season for me, just not hyperbole, I think is by far the biggest off season since they've returned in 99, right? Like, you have what you think is a franchise quarterback you're going through some change on the defensive side of the ball where i think you have a lot of talent um that just needs to be directed properly so you're going to need to hire a dc you're probably bringing in a a supplemental offensive guy right and you're going to go through some changes this offseason. but once again the talent is there to win and you're in this two-year window where i think they're probably going to restructure some contracts and maybe get a little aggressive in free agency this offseason feels huge to me andrew so going out and getting a top-notch guy is just an absolute must in my opinion on the defense side of the ball i
2: think that's so well said brad and i think it really speaks to the stakes of this offseason both in terms of hiring the defensive coordinator and also in terms of um the, the a lot of the personnel moves that they have to make so the, the you know the pressure is really on Andrew Berry uh here over the next few months and 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 Kevin Stefanski as well obviously um I you know on that on that topic I just because we're 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 getting close to, to quitting time here and I I want to circle back to something that you mentioned at the beginning which is Mike Prefer in today you know today was asked about whether or not his he feels his job is in jeopardy and he just said no he just he just said no and um you know, the
1: arrogance of that guy is—it is, grows me the wrong way.
2: It, it goes back to, I've brought this up a half dozen times. I'll keep bringing it up until Mike Prefer no longer works for the Cleveland Browns. <laughs> he, he said after Jamie Gillen dropped a punt against Kansas City, one of the things that cost him that game, he said they don't practice that because they don't practice failure. Yeah. So to me, Mike Prefer saying that he doesn't think his job is in jeopardy is kind of in the same vein right of him basically saying i don't worry about my job because i don't practice failure because i
1: don't because i don't think about losing my job right right?
2: exactly yeah so So. uh i i i mean i thought he should have been fired after last year um because uh, of that quote frankly and poor special teams play all year i mean uh the the special teams last year were a mess yeah they've been better this year especially over the second half of the year but his inconsistency in that role has been frustrating and you know we we talk all the time about the blown opportunity that the jets game was let's remember that the jets converted a fake punt in that game and successfully recovered an onside kick in the year 2022 when that's almost unheard of
1: almost two weeks in a row too because the steelers almost did it the week after that so um yeah i mean there's been this season is littered with free uh, with failures on the that side of the ball i mean Absolutely. he can't he doesn't really have a leg to stand on in my opinion they have no. failed and he,
2: and he acts like he's got three or four <laughs> right it's crazy <laughs>
1: Uh, I know we got to wrap up. You want to, sh- let me shoot through these names real quick uh, and see if any more jump out to you. Uh, okay. And, and to answer Red Leader's question, I believe that anybody that I put in this initial list, and then I have one, if you look at the article, anybody that I put in this initial list, I feel is by far better than Woods and yep. is a top notch name that the Browns should go after. I would feel good yep. about any of these guys. And then there's like other names to keep an eye on. And they're just some guys that maybe I don't know as much about or nobody really knows as much about, and not yeah. really sure about their standing, uh, but I think would be better than Woods, but somebody to keep an eye on, right? Uh so let's go move on real quickly. Obviously, Jim Leonard uh is gonna be a hot uh name, right? Like I think he's probably going to the NFL. Um, he is an NFL mind. That, uh, you know, he coached at Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're moving on. He's moving on from his job at Wisconsin. But people have been stealing from his creativity at Wisconsin in the NFL for, right. for half a season, season plus now. He yep. is an elite, elite defensive mind. So uh, and, and a great leader, too. He played for the Browns. So uh, he has some history here. I like him a lot. I think he would be a huge win. Here's one I added to this uh weeks and there's a reason why i added it uh real quick andrew gerard mayo oh sure uh, linebackers coach new england uh, i actually got <clears throat> uh heard um albert breer talking about him as a potential candidate for the browns job because he doesn't want to leave the new england area so cleveland fits that criteria sure. uh so you know if you wanted to do two years here or whatever i think as yeah. a stepping stone uh yeah. he doesn't want to leave that area it actually fits uh some here that's a good name Um, too
2: that's a good name. yeah because you know one of the things that i'll say about that is that bill belichick has had uh stefansky's number two years in a row so if nothing else having mayo in the building would help kevin figure out how to beat the freaking patriots
1: i like the former player aspect of it too right former player with this defense i think uh you know walking into the room as a four player like mayo i think immediately demands some credibility yes absolutely vic fangio is on here now uh Mm -hmm. just because i know he's linked to uh peyton but if peyton goes to denver fangio ain't going back to denver and i kind of write about that in this article so if that plays out he he's basically already said he refuses to go there and then this new interesting name that i mentioned earlier sean desai he's the associate head coach with the Seahawks bright bright guy there's some good stuff in the article on him good stuff on his scheme uh, and his resume on there as well uh other names to watch Brian Brian Flores obviously um Pittsburgh uh, I know a lot of people like him and are interested in him I am not as high as some other people are on him mm-hmm. uh I now he does have a lawsuit with the NFL currently and he's going to be on a lot of people's head coaching lists uh, yep. i like joe witt jr a lot he's a secondary coach in dallas uh, and then you've got your guys that are basically uh, associated with winning football so ronaldo hill and uh, jonathan cooley if you spent time with Rahe- raheem uh, morris then yep. you're a hot name uh, both of those guys are there. Uh, and Nick Rallis, the linebacker's coach in Philadelphia, which may have connections to Barry and Stefanski as well. Uh, but that, you know, anybody in Philadelphia is hot right now, and he yep. seems to be the top name off that staff. So uh, now the problem there is they may – their D.C. may get a get a head coaching job, so he could right. be promoted from within. Right. So, But there's some other names. Sorry to run along. No,
2: that's great. There. That's great. I, I think that, you know – and Brad, will probably – I imagine keep that list handy, right? Because yes. we, we will be. I, I'm. I think it sounds like from Joe Woods' comments today, we will be revisiting this yeah. next week. Uh, and so, you know, uh, obviously, all of you can keep that list handy by checking out the OBR uh, <laughs> that, that was just published uh, yesterday today. And so it's it's fresh. We we and I'm sure Brad will continue updating it as uh, things change and new names get get thrown in or out. Um, yeah. Uh, so let's. I just want to grab a few things in chat here quick before we. Uh, boogie out the door. Um, Paul Spencer makes a great point. Uh, Stefanski maybe is too conservative to fire two coordinators in the same year. I think that's a great point, especially also because I, I, you know, what happens with Alex Van Pelt? I think is a little interesting here, right? Because they need, I think they need something else on offense, and I don't know if it's at the OC position or another position on offense, but. That, let's not lose sight of the potential for offensive staff changes at the same time, uh, yeah, just because of the evolving philosophy of the offense with the new quarterback. Uh, and then uh, Brian O two one had a question about how fast they could hire a, a defensive coordinator. Any uh, coach that's still involved in the playoffs, that's going to be slow because they won't be able to, even if they agree to be hired, they won't be able to join the team until after that's their playoff yeah. run is done. So that's they can
1: that's interview. One- yeah interview in between games i believe though right. uh right. if they're still in the playoffs so the interview right. process will still move along
2: right but you wouldn't they wouldn't it would be sort of known but not announced basically right how, but right. but you know a lot of the, the the names at the top of your list uh evero's not in the playoffs mike zimmer's not in the nfl uh you know um jim schwartz the titans are on the cusp so we'll see how that goes and uh I, I'm. I'm. I know. I'm blanking out on somebody. Eric Washington is going to be in the playoffs. Playoffs. Um, yeah. And then Jim Leonard obviously is not in the NFL. So, so they can right. they can get pretty far down the road with this without yep. being totally held up by the playoff teams. It's not usually it's the really the head coach search that gets affected timeline wise. So most. to mm-hmm. answer that question specifically, I would say what two to three weeks is probably the timeline for a new defensive coordinator coming in the door.
1: Yeah. I mean, you would like to have somebody, uh, hired by the time the super bowl comes around. Right.
2: Right. Right. Certainly in place for the, when you start going into the scouting time of year with the senior bowl. Absolutely. Yeah. And all of that stuff that comes after that. So, um, and this is a great segue to just remind you that even though the season ends on Sunday, uh, the OBR is here all off season, we don't stop doing these shows. And, um, so when, Things happen on Monday. We will have a show Monday evening to react to it, um, and throughout the week. And if news rises to a big enough level, we'll do a breaking news show and just go live, and you can watch us react to it in real time, which is often a lot of fun. So, uh, as we move into the off season, don't you know? Don't forget about us. The Browns are still the most important thing in the world every day of the year, right? So, uh, keep checking us out. Uh, Check out the written work on the OBR uh, website all the time. Uh, we will, of course, also be back on Sunday for our final pregame and postgame shows of the year, which, uh, you know, boy, will that be emotional to be uh, finally done doing pregame and postgame shows. Um, so join us Sunday for that uh, and then join us next week for uh, the beginning of the offseason. Thank you to everybody for participating in chat. That was so great. We had so many comments. very yeah, lively discussion. Tough. Thank you to Brad for joining me tonight. Um, and thank you to Ian behind the scenes. It's been so much fun doing this show every Thursday, looking forward to the weekend. I really have enjoyed this sort of time slot because it's, it, I, I for one, get excited about what's to come. And so talking about that and kind of speculating with you all has been a lot of fun. Uh, yeah. RIP to the chair. Thank you for mentioning that again, Super Surge. You've been really driving that one into the ground, which is what ended up happening to me. Uh, So this is the end of the weekend kickoff. Uh, There will still be a Thursday show. It's just not going to be called the weekend kickoff because the weekend doesn't exist after football ends for us. So um, for Brad, for Ian, I'm Andrew. Also for Cody Sook, who uh, couldn't join us tonight, but has been so great on the show all year. Thank you to all of you for joining us. Uh, We will see you again soon on the OBR Network. Until then, go Browns.